The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Please visit pod617.com to learn about our podcast production services and view our full lineup of shows. You are listening to Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio, hosted by two-time Stanley Cup winner and hockey legend Kevin Stevens. Through hard-hitting discussion, personal testimonies, and cutting-edge resources to help battle the disease, Crosscheck is dedicated to ending the stigma and shame behind addiction and bringing forth the hope and support for those suffering from addiction to power forward and overcome it. Let's join Kevin Stevens and his team now on Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. Welcome. Hi, this is Kevin Stevens of Crosscheck Radio. We got some great guests today. We should have a great show. It's all about hope, and it's all about trying to find the, the right direction, the right path. So we got some great guests today, and Andy's here to take it away. Thank you, my brother. Welcome back after your uh, yeah. your assignment. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yes, um, and joining us as always is Alyssa Horton from Recovering Champions and the man behind the glass, William Drinkwater. Hi-ho. Addiction specialist, adjunct professor. Let's get started. As Kevin said, we do have a great show today with a couple of great guests who will provide us with some really good information and resources And with so many different treatment options out there, our hope is really to give you, our listeners, different options that are out there when it comes to recovery and addiction treatment. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Sean Hayden, who is the COO from Gamma, and Michelle Dunn, Director of Community Engagement, Substance Use Disorder Services for Gamma. She is also the founder and president of the AED Foundation, of which Sean is also on the board of directors. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Before we get started um, talking about Gamma, tell us about the AED Foundation and the mission. So the AED Foundation was started in 2014 um, following the death of my daughter, Alyssa. Um, she passed away due to a heroin overdose May 21st of 2013 at the age of 20. Sorry. Thank you. Um, one of the things that at that time when we spent time in the hospital with her was that we needed to do something. We weren't really sure what that looked like, but we needed to do something, um, not just in her honor and memory, but for all those that were struggling, for families. Um, So we came up with the idea of of the AED Foundation. And the AED Foundation stands for her initials, Alyssa Elizabeth Dunn, but it also stands for Assist, Educate, and Defeat. Our mission is to assist individuals and their families in the recovery process, to educate the community, and to try and defeat the stigma associated with substance use disorders. You know, that's great stuff. It's it's great that what you're doing because um, we all talk about all of the different ways to try to beat this thing, you know, and and it's like you said, the stigma is a big thing, but the education I think is huge. We talk about education a lot, and I think... You know, drugs for me as an addict, drugs get here. So, you know, we need to educate people that, you know, these are at a young age that this isn't the good, right way to go. And I think, you know, what you're doing through the, through the community is it's important. It's all important stuff, and it has to be out there, and it has to be talked about. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, the way, that's the way we're going to get this thing and try to get this thing going a little bit, you know. Definitely. So tell us about the different services you provide. So part of what we do is we opened a peer recovery center in 2015, completely unfunded. Um, Sean and I met and saw that there was a really big need in our community. Uh, Peer recovery centers for us are Worcester and then Greenfield are the two closest ones and nothing in north central Mass. And where we're such a rural community, 
um, we decided to open up a peer recovery center. It's actually called Alyssa's Place. Okay. Um, it's all run by volunteers. It's very part-time. It's open very part-time, but we're there for our community and surrounding communities for people just to walk in. It's a safe place where they can get help finding detox or any sort of treatment programs or support groups that meet there. We also go out to schools. We do a lot. We talk to a lot of schools. Um, sharing our stories. And we also do a lot in the community about stigma. We started a project called Project Redemption, which is about showing people that are in recovery as just everyday normal people um, and that they do, people do recover and have very successful lives. So also as part of our foundation, we provide scholarships to people in North Central Mass primarily for recovery type items like a bus pass or they need help getting into a sober house. So we try and do some fundraising, which helps assist with with that type of assistance. Gotcha. And I know uh, Willie had a yeah question. with yeah with uh, what, what what does the acronym stand for? Uh, Gamma and 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 what's the relationship with AED? Uh, so Gamma was founded in 1967 originally as the Gardner Afall Area Mental Health Association. And uh, we always joked that that was truncated because it was too much to say every time you picked up the telephone. <laughs> so it was actually legally truncated to, to just GAMMA, um, which is the most mispronounced acronym in North Central <laughs> Massachusetts. Um, the relationship is that I was working at GAMMA. I had been a clinician in one of their residential substance use programs, and uh, I had moved into my role now as COO. And Michelle and I were introduced um, shortly after Alyssa had passed, and Michelle had this idea to start the foundation. Mm -hmm. And our, our working together started there. She asked me to join her board of directors, and uh, which I was happy to do. And we had a, you know, a similar idea of what was needed in our community, and we kind of joined forces to um, to start, you know, founding yeah. the foundation and fundraising and, and starting the peer recovery center. And then eventually, um, Michelle came on to take a position at Gamma. So um, there's a lot of collaboration between the two agencies. Mm -hmm. um, the peer recovery center is actually hosted in a building that's owned by Gamma, and we're able to kind of leverage the strength of, of both programs to, to provide more services to the community. Okay, and then, yeah. and then your role yes. at Gamma is? The Director of Community Engagement for Substance mm -hmm. Use Disorder Services. Mm -hmm. so, so basically what that means is that I'm out in the community a lot. Um, I'm, I'm on a lot of different um, task forces and I sit on different boards and I basically get Gamma's name out there about all our programs. I facilitate tours, but I also do some clinical work with our permanent housing residents mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah, what I like, you know, Sean, why don't you talk about some of the programs you guys got going? I know there's uh, talking with you earlier, you got some great stuff going on over there. Yeah, sure. So, we, we do, um, you know, a lot of places talk about a continuum of care, and we feel like we, we have a genuine continuum of care. You know, for us, the continuum of care kind of starts at um, at residential treatment. So we have a program called the Pathway House, which has been there since 1972. It's kind of legendary as far as in the realm of uh, halfway houses go in, in, in Massachusetts. Um, and that is, generally speaking, a 180-day program, um, halfway house model, 20 beds for men. Uh, beyond that, we have our, our uh, transitional supportive housing program. So that is, uh, unlike a traditional sober house, that's actually a DPH-funded um, sober housing program that has attached case management services. So. Nice. Uh, unlike, you know, where it's just sort of congregate living, this has clinical services attached to it. Um, and, again, it receives that oversight from the Department of Public Health, which is a really nice kind of feather in our cap mm -hmm. to say that we're held to a higher standard than a traditional sober house is. So we have, the, we have that in a transitional form, which is up to 24 months. So someone can graduate our program or come in from another program, 
we can put them in that um, transitional housing program for up to 24 months. Nice. Um, which is good because we know, particularly with the opiate addiction issue, more time is better, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't something that gets better in five days or 30 days or even 180 days. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. So this allows people to start to design a long-term program of recovery that involves reintegrating into the community, uh, reuniting with families, learning how recovery looks in real life. You know, we're not teaching recovery theory. We're showing people how to gain lived experience in recovery, what it looks like to get up and go to work and have the experiences we all have in life in a supportive environment. And there are things that you just can't anticipate when you're, and I see this as a person in long-term recovery, mm -hmm. while you're in treatment learning what it's supposed to look like. So you don't know what it feels like to, to have a, an argument with your, your spouse or your loved ones or, mm -hmm. or have your heart broken or lose a job or have a child get sick, but to have those experiences in a supportive environment really prepares somebody for the long haul. Um, really exciting as, a, as an add-on to that is last year we launched um, our permanent supportive housing program, which is similar. In, in, in design, but it has no time limit. So we actually bought and renovated a historical building in downtown Gardner. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we did a historical renovation. We bought the entire building and opened up 12 studio apartments for people in recovery where uh -huh. they can live without time limits. They have attached case management services. They're allowed to have, uh, unlike traditional sober housing, which is like group living, individual apartments so their kids can come and spend the weekend. They can work on reunification. They can do those things. They can have a relationship, which is really hard to do when you're living in a sober house. No, Traditionally, you can't have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend come visit. Well, when you have your own apartment, you can do that. And the, the ultimate goal is not really to have people live there forever, but the ultimate goal is to have people maybe go from there to owning their own home, you know, to buying their own first home or a condominium or whatever it may be. Um, so it's been, um, the response to that has been incredible. I wish I had five yeah. times as many apartments because the waiting list is yeah. long. Um, but they're affordable. They're in the downtown location. They're actually right above the Peer Recovery Center. So the people who live there have a sober apartment. They know all their neighbors are sober. They know that they can go downstairs to an AA, NA, smart meeting, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, it's been a really great experiment um, that we're really excited about. It's something, a, a full continuum of care, you know. Um, Cope and coping skills. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about it, too, is it's right on Central Street in downtown Gardner. So... When we talk about defeating stigma, now there's this building. Everybody yeah. in town knows what it is. It doesn't say sober housing yeah. on it. It looks like any other apartment building, but it's a smaller town, so everyone knows what it is. Yeah. And there are all these people in long-term recovery getting up every day, going to work, eating in the restaurants, shopping in the stores, and we're normalizing recovery for the community. Yeah. So it's really achieving goals as far as that goes. That's a great segue because I did have a question for Michelle. Um, tell us, if you can, about Alyssa because I was kind of reading her story. Not my Alyssa, but your Alyssa. Um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, kind of, because I was reading the story and I thought it was pretty interesting. So. Yeah, so Alyssa, um, you know, came from a two-parent family, both working professionals um, in the community, involved in our community. You know, Dave, uh, my husband, was a soccer coach to her. Just an average kid. Um, I thought she was beautiful, of course, but she's my kid. So I, <laughs> your kids are always beautiful yeah. to you, right? She had a ton of energy incredibly loyal, um, loved to snowboard. She was an avid snowboarder, would never snowboard with the females because they were too slow. She liked mm -hmm. the <laughs> feel of the wind yeah. in her face, you know yeah. what I mean, that, that rush that came. And um, she was an avid Montreal Canadiens fan. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah, lo love them, Who? like love them. Um, Who? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, she she started off. She was an A student. Just just really a great great kid um, who had everything going for her except 
that she didn't quite see what we saw and you know started experimenting probably in I'd say her freshman year in high school what started out as an occasional Percocet here and there on the weekend very quickly became an obsession for her and you know after many attempts at private treatment programs and sober houses and you know we we tried everything Mm -hmm. you know um, I often say she had the desire to be well, well, but not the willingness. You know, it's a lot of work. And I, and I think being so young, um, she passed when she was 20. She just didn't get that, you know, this was going, this was something she had to battle every day for the rest of her life. But, you know, I also believe that this is part of our journey. And I was blessed to have her for 20 years. She was an amazing kid who kept me on my toes as a mom. And, um, and I believe that her legacy still continues, you know, and, and those of us that loved her and knew her, and even those that don't know her, you kind of feel like you know her because she's, we try to be very, um, we try to describe her as accurate as we can, so. It's a great way to look at it, and you, you guys both have um, stepped up to the plate and really doing some great things in, in her name because, um, you know, what Sean was talking about, about the rehabs and the sober houses and the transitional things, those are so important because we all know 30 days isn't long enough, no, you know, 60 right. days. For me, you know, time, time, time. You know, if you can get time and you can realize that you're a good person again, you know, you, can, you, give, yeah. you give those people time to figure out, you know what, life can be good again. You know, yep. in 30 days, you know, we get out, it's some people think 30 days or some families, parents think 30 days, they get out, wow, my kid's going to be sober. It's not, not that easy and no. it's not that way. It's very difficult, like, like he was saying, it's all to stay sober. At a young age, you know, I yeah. I had a hard time doing that, and I'm old, and I had a hard time. Doing <laughs> older, <laughs> older, not old. Yeah, older. I, I finally got it, no. but it's it's hard. It, it, it's a lot of work, and like you said, willingness. You know, every, you have to be willing to change your life and do mm-hmm. things differently, and um, you know, you you'll pay the rewards would be great, but it's just a lot of work, and it's a lot of, and you guys are doing great stuff because it's so hard to find good places sometimes to go and, yeah. and get educated. And you know, like you said, you have clinicians on staff. That doesn't happen out here around here too much. I know no. that. And, uh, you know, you give them jobs you were talking about. Talk about that, Sean, a little bit. Yeah, so the um, one of the things we do is we own a company called Coleman Assembly and Packaging. And it's a for-profit, for-profit corporation that's owned by a nonprofit. And its sole purpose, it has an operating mission to employ people in recovery, people with disabilities, people with barriers to employment. So it's it's a thriving uh, manufacturing company that does uh, assembly and packaging services for other manufacturers. And as you walk the work floor, you'll see what looks like any other factory. You'll see people working in assembly line fashion. You'll see people, you know, who are uh, supervisors and leads and material handlers. But what you don't see at first glance is that, you know, three people in a line doing an operation. One person's in long-term recovery. One person's a vet who's returned from service. One person has a developmental disability. Maybe they're on the autism spectrum, mm. and they're working in concert, but their identity isn't their disease. Their identity yeah. isn't yeah. their disability. Yeah. They're just somebody who's performing an operation at a company, yeah. and lo and behold, it's successful, it's thriving, and it's filling a need. Um, I believe as an agency we need to put our money where our mouth is. We can't just talk about mm. it. We have to be about it. So even within our own nonprofit, something like almost 40% of the people identify as having some form of disability, whether it's a substance use disorder or a physical disability. And we take responsibility for that. You know, like I said, we can't just say we're about helping people. We have to be about it. So that starts from within for our agency. That's awesome. Um, You know, the other project we have going we're excited to talk about is our newest um, project, which is out in Athol, Massachusetts. And that project, it's um, it's called the Carl Dahl House at Cass Farm. And this is a 40-acre working farm that is sober supportive housing for men 
with substance use disorders. And uh, it's in collaboration with an organization called Cultivate Care Farms, which is ba based out of Bolton. We, we, and, Andrew? Yes, with Andrew, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, we know Andrew. So, so Cultivate, <laughs> yeah, Cultivate has, they have this great day program where they, um, they, they, they have their own farm where people come in and, and the farm acts as a, an opportunity for, um, you know, therapeutic uh, um, activities and, and acts as a metaphor for people as they use, you know, psychotherapy on the farm. And what we've done was we partner with them where we have the housing and the facility and their clinicians come in. So we have sort of embedded clinicians at our program. Nice. So people come, they live in a sober environment. We focus on sort of the recovery community and the recovery aspects. And during the day, they're going through basically almost like an IOP level of care with mm -hmm. a Cultivate clinician on a farm where we have horses and pigs and goats and chickens and geese. Mm -hmm. and um, We need to expand what you're doing. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> We need to expand it. The, the response has been great, and it really is a great opportunity for someone, particularly anyone who's maybe lived in an urban environment, yeah. and they need yeah. to just quiet things down for a little bit. Yeah. And there's something to be said for, for working every day, you know, that mm -hmm. opportunity to get your hands dirty, to reconnect to the earth, to... Dignity you, and all self -esteem, work, right? too. I mean, yeah, and you know, there's something about you walk onto a farm, and you meet an animal. That animal is so excited to see you. Oh, yeah. doesn't They're care that. So cute. Yeah, it doesn't care that you're a drug addict. It doesn't no. know no. that you have this history. It, it just says, "Hey, you're here for me. I'm so happy to see you." And I can say this: when I was active, no one was happy to see me. <laughs> I didn't get greeted get with smiling faces and wagging tails. And so, to have that experience goes a long way. Sort toward rebuilding somebody's self-esteem. We so, should be as unconditional as the animals are. Yeah, exactly. So that project's yeah. just getting started. We're really excited. Um, you know, I think that uh, as we've just launched, you know, I'm, I'm sure beds are going to fill up quick, but, you know, certainly people can reach out to Gamma to get more information about that. Michelle will be the person to reach out to. Um, they can email supportivehousing at gamma.org, which is G-A-A-M-H-A. They can call the office directly at 978-632-0934. And we're happy to give more information and, and set up tours and, and invite people out to come see this. You don't need insurance to do this? Or? We, well, that, that's a private pay program, okay. but it's, it's certainly um, affordable as far as in the world of, of addiction treatment goes. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't accept insurance at that site, um, but we do have some financial aid available for people to make it because we really want it to be accessible to everyone whenever it can be. Can we have your website? Yeah, the website is uh, it's gamma.org, so www.gaamha.org. Um, and there's certainly information there. And the, the, the farm program itself is uh, dahl, D-A-H-L, house.org. Um, and so people can go there and get more information on, on uh, specifically that farming program. Pretty amazing stuff. You know, you guys got a lot, a lot of good stuff going, a lot of great stuff going on. And uh, we appreciate you guys coming on and sharing a little hope because, you know, we, we all need hope. You know, people need hope and people need places where they can go and find different ways to get sober. And you guys are... Uh, on the right path. You guys do everything the right way. So thanks for coming. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having Absolutely. us. Absolutely. We'll be back on Crosscheck. You're listening to Crosscheck Radio with your host, Kevin Stevens. We'll be right back after these messages. My name is Richard Morse, founder and chairman of Boston Financial Management. For more than 40 years, we have been dedicated to the creation and preservation of wealth for our clients. We strive to develop and implement individual investment programs to address the specific needs of each and every client. BFM is pleased to support Crosscheck Radio's mission of providing education and awareness about the drug addiction crisis currently facing this nation. We believe this program will increase awareness and begin to move the nation towards a better understanding of the crisis and ultimately to a solution. Boston Financial Management is proud to take an active role in promoting Power Forward, aired by Crosscheck Radio 
and believe all communities and individuals will benefit with a greater knowledge about the current opioid crisis. For more information about Boston Financial Management, please visit our website at bfminvest.com. Clean Slate Centers is an outpatient clinic with a strong commitment to expanding access to medication-assisted treatment to help fight the opioid epidemic. Our primary mission is to help the underserved population reclaim their lives from substance abuse disorder. Clean Slate has 44 centers in eight states, and we pride ourselves on providing compassionate and effective physician-led treatment across all of our locations. We provide evidence-based care using the current guidelines established by the American Society of addiction medicine. Clean Slate's knowledgeable and caring team focuses on treating each patient as an individual while placing an emphasis on personal accountability. This is an effective method and will help those in need manage their addiction. The combination of individualized medical, behavioral health, and case management services has been shown to be the most effective treatment for people experiencing substance abuse disorder. For more information or to schedule an intake, please call 413-341-1780. That's 413-341-1780 or visit www.cleanslatecenters.com. We are also a proud supporter of Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. Oh, no. Uh, license and registration, please, sir. What's the problem, officer? Uh, well, son, lots of problems. You were, you were doing 115 miles an hour in a 35 zone. You have a blown taillight and a blown headlight. Uh, about a mile back there on the road, you ran over a whole family of deer uh, and some very cute bunnies. You appear to have several kinds of illegal explosive drugs and firearms in the back seat. not to mention there's a 300-pound bearded man who's bound and gagged back there for some reason. What do you have to say for yourself, son? Uh, if you log on to pod617.com, you can listen to some great podcasts and produce one of your own. Pod617.com, huh? Okay. Have a nice day, sir. At Pod617.com, you'll find on-demand podcasts on politics, sports, music, and amazing storytelling. And Pod617.com will produce a broadcast-quality show for you to promote your business or professional service. Listen to the voices of your city and join the community. Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Uh, you know what? I changed my mind. You're under arrest. At uh, Tracy, come in and see the difference for yourself. They have the largest selection. I found my dream car here. The choices are endless. There is no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. We'll help you make the best decision. We've bought 30 vans here. I love my new car. They put the fun back into buying a car. I wouldn't go anywhere else. Everybody wants a good deal. It's one of the reasons I keep coming back. Experience the rock-solid difference. Tracy Chevrolet Cadillac, exit 6 off Route 3, Plymouth, Mass. Hey, this is Sam Mettler, the creator of A&E's Intervention. You're listening to Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. Welcome back to Crosscheck. My name is Andy Bernstein here with our host, Kevin Stevens, Alyssa Horton from Recovering Champions, and the great William Drinkwater behind the glass. And let's get to our next guests, which is Maria Omer and Tiffany Lane from Serenity at Summit. Serenity at Summit is a proud member of the Delphi Behavioral Health Group, network of addiction treatment centers across the country. They and their parent company, Delphi's mission is of bringing a new standard of quality to the addiction treatment industry in the United States. 
And joining us is Tiffany and Maria. And Maria is a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in addiction counseling with over 18 years of experience in the addiction and mental health treatment fields. And she has worked as a clinician and administrator. And Tiffany is the detox manager for Serenity and has been in the industry for over 13 years. So welcome. Thank you for having us. So tell us about Serenity and the work you're doing and what makes you guys unique. So Serenity at Summit was founded on the premise that we need to restore dignity and respect to individuals who have lost everything, especially hope. Uh, so what we do in terms of a clinical approach is make sure that we individualize treatment. We're meeting you exactly where you are when you come in the door and helping to move you through a process that gets you a strong foundation for recovery. Okay, and you work a lot with Alyssa. How do you, how do you guys work together? Collaboratively, uh, Tiffany works uh, very closely in this region with Recovery Champions, a uh, strong partner in crime, uh, to, to help individuals who are, are really struggling and help to match them with the appropriate level of care and, and placement. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we get a call and uh, a person requires detox, Randy is our first call. Um, we've never, uh, you know, I always, I always ask the clients, like, what was their experience? And, and I always base a lot of the vetting I do on them. And I've never heard a single bad thing, only that they're taken care of medically and that they're loved, which is truly important. It's about, again, like the standard that they have there. I've seen the facilities myself. Um, you don't feel like you're not cared for in any aspect. The food, the facility itself, the staff there, everything is just uh, beyond anything I, I've experienced in the field. The food is great. I food had is it. great. Yeah. So how's um, like if, if people are going to make a cause of what's what's the process? Say if I'm just started, I don't know what's going on, and then they, they would make a call to you. So where do they go from there? Like. They would call someone in our admissions department, uh, and, and we would be linked to um, either um, a person like Tiffany in the community who can help the family, especially mm -hmm. if that's a difficult process for the individual themselves to ask for help. Mm. It's often the family who is calling and, and looking for information. How can we help you? Yeah, in the detox, it's pretty, you know, like when, when a person makes that decision to get the detox, it's kind of, they got to get them in there pretty quick because I've, I've been there before and I made that decision. I want to go to detox and about 10 hours later. I'm not going to detox. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of quick. They got to get in there pretty quick when they do make that call. Yeah, it's it has to be urgently seen. This is something yeah. for the family that they're likely in crisis. They're mm -hmm. feeling very desperate and we have to prioritize day or night. Doesn't matter what time of day, day of the week. Uh, an individual has to be recognized for um, what they're what they're able to offer themselves today, which is asking for help. That's the, maybe the best yeah. decision that they've made in a really long time. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's, it's just as you had described, it's being able to have open arms to someone who all they need is, is love and compassion mm -hmm. to help them see that they're worth it, there's value that they yeah. have to offer. So when they come to you guys, they go to the detox. What's what's the step after that? What are you guys? What, what's the procedures after that? There's a lot of different options of what we can do when someone is stabilized medically. Mm -hmm. We are able to offer in-house also residential treatment. I have that, yeah. So clinically support uh, treatment program, uh, where they're able to stay for a number of weeks, and then that or the other option is sending out into other parts of the mm -hmm. community where people can have a little bit longer of a stay uh, to help them really become stabilized. A lot of times, uh, families aren't sure: do I send someone away? You know, do we, we put them, you know, in another state? Uh, yeah. Do we send them down the street so we can have contact mm. and stay, you know, connected to them? And I think that's really an individual family's decision to make. We help individuals decide what's aftercare going to look like. What do I really need? A lot of times as we go back to our people, places, and things, it may, may not be helpful or yeah. healthy to return home. Yeah, that's, you know, that's probably not <laughs> the best place to go, right, is go back to where you came from. But 
another question that people always ask, what's the stay? Like when, when someone goes into detox, I know everybody's differently, but everybody wants to know when I'm done. You know, the first thing addicts ask when, you know, how long is this going to take? Yep. You know, that's probably not the best question, but that's what we all ask when I, I remember when I was in that process, you know. Well, I think it, it's an excellent point. Many people wonder um, how quickly can I get back to life again? Yeah. Um, but you're worth it to put as much time in as you possibly yeah. can. Detox in general, depending on protocol and what substance you've been using, and if you've been using multiple substances, it can be three to ten days, yeah. or sometimes longer if the use has been much more extensive yeah. or severe. Uh, so once you go through that process and become medically stabilized, we like to um, offer individuals an opportunity to stay for a couple weeks at a time yeah. and then help them to decide, is there more that's needed? you can never get enough time yeah. to set that foundation for recovery. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's so important to be, you know, when you make that decision to get clean and sober, it's, it's you know, it's not a 20-day decision. It's not a 30-day decision. You know, if you think you can go to detox and come out and go back to work the next day and mm. stay sober, I don't know too many people that can do it. You know, I don't know anybody that really can do it because it's a change in your life, right? you got to find a different way to live, and you got to find a way that you can be happy. You know, it takes a little time. And get back into society a little bit and feel good about yourself. I think the biggest thing when we get when we use and we beat ourselves up so much that we can't be a, a good person or we can't have a good job or we can't get back to where we were. And I think that's the important thing. And I think the biggest thing is time. You know, it's not like a six or seven day procedure. You know. Yeah, I think when we consider um, how long we've been in yeah. our addictive process or how much destruction it has caused, it doesn't repair overnight. And certainly, our body and mind and our soul. Yeah. don't start to heal overnight we need a strong um, foundation to establish serenity is able to offer that but it's something that it's you need to be looking at the long-term goal yeah. long-term you know where where do I want to be not just can I get this done in a weekend and get back yeah. to life as usual um, you know the saying kind of goes in multiple ways of looking at it you're you're worth it so work it mm -hmm. and and that's a I, new t-shirt thank you yeah. hashtag that <laughs> yeah hashtag. and uh, and hashtag. so it's really important to consider that um, you're worth this. You right. know, I think a lot of individuals have lost all respect for themselves. Yeah. They feel they've burnt every bridge, and um, and the reality of it is, is that you can always have a second chance. Yeah, and it also appears that family is a big, big part of the component too in the relationships. You're looking at the whole picture, not just the person in the context of the addiction, but the whole family uh, picture and the connected. The connectedness to everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Each unit connects to the other. Yeah. And in a family system, uh, this is a family disease. Mm -hmm. And likely, this didn't just start with an individual deciding one day, hey, I, I want to you know, lose everything and uh, you know, not feel good about myself, uh, become an addict, and, and not be able to look at life beyond that. It's something that most likely had some interaction with family. Uh, whether there was abuse or trauma earlier on or that now it's impacting the family. So right. either it was before or after, and, and now we here we find ourselves all kind of tethered and, and broken. So it's really important for the family to see um, they're just as important as the individual asking for help. Yeah. And yeah. supporting them through the process is an integral part of that, that individual's recovery. Yeah, and I think oftentimes, you know, we, we, we you know, I, you, you, you don't tend to find alcoholics or addicts in long-term mental facilities. That's where you find their families and friends that have been trying to make sense out of what's been going on. Absolutely. If they don't have supports for themselves, I mean, they're toast. Absolutely. The, the, you know, cliched, I just got off an airplane, so I could say you pull the oxygen mask down and you're supposed to give that to yourself first before passing it to your mm -hmm. loved one. Yeah. How can you be there for someone else if you don't have enough in the gas tank? Right. Mentally, emotionally, right. physically. Can you relate? Can you guys relate to this? Absolutely, personally and professionally. 
<laughs> so families have been, you know, um, harder the, the harder ones to work with because once once we mm. have the loved one in treatment, that's when they start to kind of fall apart because that sole focus is no longer on that individual because they're actually getting help. And then to try to help them understand that it, it's like I'm asking the same questions to the family that I am to the individual that's coming in for treatment. You know, how's your relationships? How's your work life? How's balance? And that's when you start helping them to see like this is and and if you don't when they come out it's the same thing like my uh, one of my old bosses used to say it perfectly is you know you know if johnny gets sober and johnny comes home and johnny eats cheerios which he ate, used to eat when he was high you're going to start freaking out oh my god he's high cuz he's eating cheerios again and that's not going to be helpful to johnny's treatment right so that it is it's essential you any program that isn't treating the family as well as the individual inside yeah, the, the treatment center it's it's it, you're not doing anything yeah. it's not helpful yeah. and that would you tend to shut down as if you as the individual if like my family's not treating me the way that i want to be treated now yeah there could be it's, control well, it's, issues that there's control issues to, there's defiancy there's like you were mm. saying like low self-esteem self-doubt stuff like that that can play off of it, it mm. it's just all across the board a really huge misinterpretation and no communication skills across the board because the individual that's sensitive and newly sober or in treatment you know they're still extremely sensitive the most thing that happened especially in the beginning is just that they got medically detoxed all of the other things that's happening it, it that hasn't been addressed and that like we said it takes time that's why we always you know try to you know push an individual to to stay in treatment a little bit longer and I, I also think it's so important like a lot of families might not think they need the help you know it's just oh, yeah. Yeah. just the addict so the one that's the Them, addict not me yeah the addict's the one that's struggling it's got nothing to do with me and it's like know. oh it hasn't affected you whatsoever yeah. has it and that's the biggest problem i think is once they get the, the addict hmm. into treatment they live their life and they don't really like do anything to kind of get themselves going again and they kind of say oh, you know he's away for a little bit they're away let's you know our life will be calm again you know and it's and, and they've affected the whole pattern of their, everybody's life you know so there it is they need some they need some treatment also yeah a lot of emphasis uh, we see very important to identify early on with the family when they're asking for help or when they've engaged in the treatment process is that they also have to take the time to tend to themselves mm. and and like you nailed it perfectly you know hey I'm I can kind of get on vacation now because yeah. my loved ones yeah. being taken care of in a facility you know mm. getting help on their own but that's when their work can begin as mm. well you know, Al-Anon, the, the biggest piece many families struggle with is that, one, they think they can control it. And yeah. uh, the, the reality of it is, is is they can't. And that tends to crumble, and they begin to decompensate when their loved one goes into treatment. Now what? Because their life has typically been consumed and circled around, all encompassed by the disease of addiction. Uh, so we really, you know, we really bring a lot of attention and awareness, what to expect when someone's, you know, early on in treatment, mm -hmm. what's to expect when they return home or don't return home, mm -hmm. what can we do to help support that individual to set healthy boundaries with their family members, uh, to really help them also to see that boundaries are just as important for them as it is for the addict. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I want to talk more about the family dynamic, because um, it sounds like you guys really specialize in in that aspect of it so i think it's something really important that we we've talked about and uh we'll be right back on crosscheck you're listening to crosscheck radio with your host kevin stevens we'll be right back after these messages surrounded by 71 acres of peaceful woodlands sunspire health spring hill is a residential addiction treatment center that allows you to clear your mind and reconnect with nature 
as you focus on your recovery on our open residential campus. At Spring Hill, we use a wide range of evidence-based treatment methods, including medication-assisted treatment and behavioral therapies to create a plan aimed at promoting long-term recovery. In addition to your clinical treatment plan, Take advantage of complimentary recovery activities in the surrounding outdoors and enjoy a comprehensive two-day educational family program, as well as the security of knowing your discharge will include a thorough, individualized plan that goes well beyond our care. Spring Hill offers patients evidence-based treatment for addiction and co-occurring mental health disorders at our facility in Ashby, Mass. If you or a loved one is in need of help, please call us today at 978-254-6668. That's 978-254-6668. Or visit us at sunspirehealth.com backslash spring dash Everybody wants to earn more money, right? Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman, and I'd like to earn more money too. That's why I take advantage of the Bump Up CD specials at the City of Boston Credit Union. It's easy. If their rates go up, yours can too. Check out all their current specials at cityofbostoncu.com. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Funds federally insured by NCUA. Excess insurance by MSIC. An iced coffee is just a couple of bucks. What's the big deal? Well, if you think about it, two iced coffees a day for a whole year adds up to over $1,400. That's a big deal. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman, and this is a financial tip brought to you by the City of Boston Credit Union. For more everyday financial tips, visit cityofbostoncu.com. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. Federally insured by NCUA, member MSIC. The 20th Annual Samaritan's 5K Run Walk for Suicide Prevention will take place on September 29th. Join us at Artisani Park in Brighton as we mark 20 years of celebrating life. Please support Samaritans and our life-saving work by registering at Samaritans5k.org. Samaritans Statewide Helpline is available by call or text 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 1-877-870-4673 for those feeling isolated, desperate, or uncertain about anything in their life. That's 1-877-870-HOPE. We'll see you on September 29th. Hi, this is Dr. Lanise Bias. You're listening to my friend Kevin Stevens on Crosscheck Radio. It's time to power forward. Welcome back Crosscheck Radio. I'm Andy Bernstein with our host, Kevin Stevens, Alyssa Horton, Willie Drinkwater, and we're going to continue our great discussion with Maria Omer and Tiffany Lane from Serenity at Summit. And Kevin had a question no, for you. It's about, you know, kind of the family. I know the family dynamic is when the family's trying to get the person into rehab, you know, it's a pro- in the, in the, in the attic doesn't want to go into rehab. So I know it's a, a difficult process. And, and how, what do you guys do about that? The question is, is, is someone ready to engage? Yeah. You know, are they ready to ask for help? And, and a lot of times they're not. And so loved ones might first see the problem, start seeing the signs and symptoms. You know, we have an issue. And and that the family may try to intervene or might ask professionals to help them yeah. to intervene. It's important to know that they're not alone, 
that they can go to support groups, 12-step meetings, uh, lots of community-based programs now, uh, whether you're near a local treatment center like ours or not, to be able to access help to ask the right questions. Uh, but importantly, uh, they're not alone. So whether that's something that they can connect to someone and get some sponsorship through one of those 12-step programs uh, to set some healthy boundaries, starting with, we can't condone this behavior. We will no longer let this take over our family. And we have to set a limit. The disease is killing you and us. Okay. Now, you may try to make it as easy as you can for people who are looking for treatment. Tiff? Yeah, we do, certainly. I mean, one of the things that we do in, at Serenity is we, we work with patients for weeks upon time. You know, we're, we're there to constantly support them. Our um, admission staff is there pretty much 24-7 to answer the phones. Uh, and we provide transportation. I think that's a huge piece for people who maybe you decide to, at 11 o'clock at night, now's the time. Mm. I need to go. And it's one of the things that you mentioned yeah. earlier, too. You know, when, when, you, when you make that decision to go into treatment, you have got to get it's now. that person into treatment and and that's what i think that's one of the things that we shine one of the places that we shine we're always mm -hmm. there to to come come help you to pick you up to make you feel loved when mm -hmm. you need it the most now you're across the street from a hospital we're directly across the street from a full service hospital which is amazing and it's been so helpful for us how well i think sometimes too you know patients come into us and you know maybe a last hurrah before they're coming into treatment and a little too intoxicated even to come into our building and 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 we work with the hospital directly across the street and we bring them over and have them stabilized and then and then we go pick them back up and mm. and we bring them in and 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 take care of them okay yeah <clears throat> no it's all good stuff you know that's all um you know it's just all about it's all about like you said you guys have all these things that you guys can do to get people into treatment. I think it's so important. Like the biggest thing for me is that when someone calls, you got to get them in, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, I think that's the biggest thing of saving lives and, and give people some hope. And it's, um, and, and it's very important because people, like you said, they can wait weeks, you know, to make a phone call. They could be sitting on the edge of this, their bed for weeks and, and try not and try to make that phone call. And, you know, you guys can get them, and you guys can get them in a place right away, and that's important because there's not a lot of places sometimes, you know, they call back in a couple of days or something like that. One of the things that we do as well is we work with community partners all around mm -hmm, yeah. Massachusetts and at, for all our facilities, in fact. So if a patient calls us at any time of day, and maybe we can't help them, maybe we, we don't have a, a, an open space right at that yeah. time, or their insurance doesn't cover our treatment center, we will work with them specifically. We'll work with them, we'll work with their family. There's been times where I've worked with patients for weeks to get them into another treatment center, because for whatever reason, maybe they're not an appropriate fit for us. Um, but it, it, you have to have the passion to just kind of not give up on whoever you're speaking to on the phone, whether they're coming to you or going to a community partner or somewhere else, you know? Are you pretty selective on how to, on the partners you work with? How do you vet that? We are. Um, I think that's one of the things that we take pride in. We like to work with community partners that, you know, essentially for me, if I am going to refer a patient out of our treatment center where they've been loved and cared for, medically stabilized, and to further their treatment, I like it to be somewhere where I'd send a family member. It's important to me. Do I know they're safe? Do I know they're loved? And they're going to get really good care? Then yes, let's 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 send this patient, let them thrive, because that's where a lot of the magic happens too. It's they have a short stay with us; they have an opportunity to continue treatment for such for for so much longer when they leave us, which is so important. And we want it to be somewhere where they're going to get quality treatment. Yeah, and I think it's also important, like you said, that 
you know, detox is three to four, six days, seven days. Is you need to get to a treatment place. You know, you guys mm-hmm. do that. And you need to get to a good treatment place, and you need time. You know, we need time to to get our mind straight, and it's important because you know I, people just say, "Oh, I'm going to go four or five days to detox." You know, you probably see them back in another couple of weeks, four or five days mm-hmm. again. You know, and that's and that's a procedure that happens to you have the willingness, really. You know, to to further your treatment, I think it's important. I think now more than ever, it's a matter of life or death. Yeah. It literally, if you you know come in and ask for help, we're we're working our butts off to make sure you stay engaged in treatment. We work we work to support the family to help them set the boundaries to help you stay in mm-hmm. treatment, and recognizing that one use out the door is likely to be a last for you, and that for many families, it's it's scary, it's frightening. So I was going to say on that topic and, and back with family since you are the expert. So when you say like when we're putting boundaries to, to keep them in treatment, like as we know, we work in the field, like it's very essential that a person does put that time in, that does stay in treatment because, you know, like we were talking with the last, the last uh, guest, you know, even 30 days sometimes is just not enough. Like there's people that need that. What are some of the, from a family point of view, what are some of the reasons for like how, it's not the easiest conversation to not like I've worked with families myself and like t- trying to explain to them like no like you you're not the treatment provider you know and you're not you shouldn't be the treatment provider your mom your dad your cousin your sister like you shouldn't have those roles so like how what's the conversation yeah like it's, for you? it's asking them to have trust in us mm-hmm. you know um, I almost feel like it's thanks mom and dad or thanks you know husband wife for trusting us with your loved one and, and now we're going to take care of them and, and embrace them in this process of recovery, and we're going to support you as well over here. So we have kind of a case management system that helps that to really take hold so that the boundaries are established from the beginning. They're, they're not staying enmeshed uh, or toxic in, in how they communicate. We try to uh, put some boundaries about how they can, you know, can you call? We kind of have a blackout period, but it's established. You need to be focused right now, mm. you know, especially in detox. Just let's get you physically, medically okay. And then we start the emotional journey. What happens with a family member who is um, reluctant? How do you, if you're, uh, you know, a family member, how do you, how do you deal with that? There's a lot of what we go, call motivational interviewing. You know, <laughs> how's this working for you? You know, is this the quality of life that you want to have? And um, and again, as we talked about, when you're so often putting someone else before you, you tend to forget or maybe don't realize, really get the full picture, how much has this taken hold of my life? You know, we lose ourselves in this disease. And ultimately, again, it's something we say is, it, you know, the loved ones can kill that individual by not setting the boundaries, by not putting the limits in place, by not learning and understanding about what this is all about and what they can do. I think too educating the families is super important when they have a loved one in our building because although you know addiction is such almost like a hot topic right now you, you there are so many people and family members and loved ones that really don't even understand the disease mm. in general and and what's going on with their family member so I think that's huge too although you think that they should know yeah it there's so many people that don't know and it's on us to really kind of explain it to them yeah that's that's huge that's a huge one because I know like there's a lot of family members that have no idea really what it, even though the kid's stuck in addiction they really don't like you know they're like you know we'll go to the detox we'll send them for five days they'll come out and they'll be jogging around the streets they'll be fine you know and it's they don't really know they don't know what to expect and it, like, like I said it's very important for family members to learn about the disease and, and get 
the proper help to the right people. I was going to say, maybe for our listeners, it would be good for you to you guys to talk about when would be a good time for people to be seeking help for their loved ones. I think when they have recognized that there are so many impairments in their life as well as for those uh, around them who are struggling with the use of substances, um, you know, it's, I think, very cliche to think that you have to hit a bottom. You know, what is that bottom? Because I can drop that bottom even lower yeah. if oh, I yeah. really tried hard enough right. and if I allow my disease to take me there. Uh, but most important for a family member to recognize that if it's not, if they see this is not healthy, that it's taking such a, a toll, it's taxing the family, it's getting in the way of them being able to be healthy in their work, in their career, financially, spiritually, uh, physically, uh, that that's when we, enough is enough. Okay. So it's like when they're tired of trying to control something that's out of control. That's insanity. Mm -hmm. So tell us about where people can find you and how would they, uh, if they're interested in, in contacting you, uh, can you give us some more information? Of course. So we do have an admissions line that is staffed, you know, pretty much 24-7. And that number, I'm going to give the yeah, numbers. Yeah, give it. 855. 855 again, 9199, um, serenity at You can find us online um, and certainly can send out my info if needed. Yeah, and your website is serenity at Great stuff, guys. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you very much. And Serenity at Summit. And thanks to Maria and Tiffany for making the time to come on today. And we'll be right back on Crosscheck. You're listening to Crosscheck Radio with your host, Kevin Stevens. We'll be right back after these messages. Big thing that we have to offer is a ton of our staff are also in long-term recovery. Um, and the first thing that we look at is making sure that that individual comes in, feels like they're a person, that we're going to take care of them, and that we're there for them. Individualized treatment, we try and help people find a way to live a life that's drug-free a day at a time. When you're with us, you're going to get a master's clinician who is well-experienced, well-versed in addiction. You're also going to get a case manager who's going to help you basically with everything that you've missed in life due to addiction. You're going to have tons of peer support every day, but when you leave, you're a part of the Recovering Champions family. If you're looking for help to get into treatment and you'd like to use Recovering Champions and our knowledge of the system and how to access it, you can reach us a couple different ways. You can always call our toll-free number, which is 844 844- 888-5391, 844-888-5391. The other place you can find us is on the web, recoveringchampions.com. LifeSkills South Florida is a 26-year-old primary psychiatric facility located in beautiful Deerfield Beach, Florida. We treat mental health conditions and substance use disorders for men and women ages 18 and older by using a holistic approach to treatment. This is done by incorporating elements of mindfulness, meditation, and integrated primary care, which offers individuals the opportunity for complete recovery. Treatment at Life Skills focuses not just on the persisting problems, but targets the underlying disorders that contribute to them in a healing environment. Our program goes above and beyond to empower the individuals during their recovery. For more information about our facilities, please call our Northeast Clinical Outreach Director, Melissa Westerman at 603-540-6288. That's 603-540-6288. Also, visit our website at lifeskillssouthflorida.com for more info. Hello, this is Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. 
Be sure to tune in to Crosscheck Radio each week with your host, Kevin Stevens. Welcome back to Crosscheck. I'm Andy Bernstein with our host, Kevin Stevens, Alyssa Horton. Out from the glass, Willie Drinkwater. So really helpful guest today, I thought. Yeah. What do you, oh, what, absolutely. That was a great show. What do, you, what do you think about kind of the work they're doing from the uh, whole family perspective, particularly Serenity? So, I mean, I'm, I'm biased because I love them and I work with them so often. But, you, I mean, I've talked about it forever on the show. Like, I vet places. It's exactly the same thing Tiff does. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tiff and I talk on a regular basis, and I love sending people there because, like, I can sleep at the end of the night knowing I put somebody in a good place. I think it's so important, too, because, you know, like, you know, family oftentimes isn't, quote, the causation of it. But if they don't have an understanding of it, too, they can keep enabling their loved one to death. You know, they believe what they're doing is in their loved one's best interest. But they keep going back out again and again yeah. and again. You know, if you drink one more time, you can't come home. You drink one more time, and if it's, it's just meaningless yeah. after a while unless you're backing it up. My mom yeah. caught, like got the courts involved, all of it. She oh, did I every single. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a violent drunk. You were a uh, handful. Uh, handfuls an a understatement. Handful. But it ended yeah. up just taking the yeah. fact that she was like, "No, even with the courts involved in my own household, I can't have you here. You need to leave." And I got, you know, it wasn't right away, but a month later, I got sober. What are you today? Yeah, I, I, you know. What are you today? I, I, I said, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it's great because it kind of two different. Um, the girls are in here just, just now. They, you know, they talk about the detox part of it and getting people started on, on, a, on a process of getting clean and sober. You know, and, and kind of giving them the opportunity to get to the other, uh, to get to the, uh, the other side. And I think the the guard, the people from Gardner, there, they talked about. You know, recovery, you know, the process of getting better and, and working with people and, and doing the right things and, and, and having that long-term recovery. And I think and they give people a great opportunity to further their treatment just because detox is great and it's great to make that first step, but you need the willingness to further your treatment, to, to, to stay and get clean and realize life can be good again. It's a I process, mean, right? Absolutely. I mean, the detox is the easiest part of the whole process. Yeah. Although when you're going through it, it feels like, holy, holy yeah. heck. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the easiest part. Then how do I change the thinking, yeah. you know, and, and my lifestyle and all that? Yeah, that's and, the difficult part. And I've been thinking lately, right? So I've worked in the field for a while, and, and we've had a lot more options come into Massachusetts for addiction treatment yeah, in the last three years. Yeah, Massachusetts is one of the leaders. I mean. Right. We've become much more populated with treatment centers. So how do you sift through it all? It's almost like being recruited for college. Like, how? Well, there was so much new information so, today that I never had. Right. And, we know, didn't know about Gamma. Me and I, Willie are talking about that. We've yeah. worked in, he's worked in the field for 30 years. Three times the amount of time. I've right. Been, and I've never, I never heard of them. And it's got it's, that whole wraparound to it, you but, know, housing. Yeah. And, and, I mean, it does put a whole new understanding to continuum of care. And b a yeah. big part of like understanding that is calling us, calling people like Willie, calling people like me, calling yeah. people like Tiff, reaching out to people, us on the website. Right, Right, we'll, we'll reach out to us. Yeah, the website and right. networking and powerforward25.com. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, good plug, powerforward25.com. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I said oh, powerforward25.com. Yes, yes, yes. Did you say, wait, wait, wait what was that? Powerforward25.com. So, but no, it's important that you, that people reach out to the people that, you know, we're trained in this. We, this is what we focus, this is our life. Let us know. Ask us questions. Go to there's there's tons of different community centers in the area where you know us as providers. It's part of our job to let these community centers know about us. And mm. and like Tiff said, we work together now. That's a total different thing. Right. Four years ago, 
this was not this was not the case. The work that we've done in Massachusetts, and the especially for legislative, keeps growing right? And growing and well, growing. open door policy, right? That's a yeah. law here in Massachusetts. Right. You cannot not take a person without giving them resources. Not a single person that calls my phone will not leave with at least five resources. Right. There you go. So if you want to listen <coughs> to the show, on uh, let's thank uh, pod six one seven dot com, who will have the show mm-hmm. uh, replay. Thank you to David Nasara. And Kim, Kim Fro, uh, and um, of course, Kevin, any words of... Uh, if you have any questions at all, make that first call. Just make a call. If you, if you, if you, have, you need something answered, hmm. make a call. That's the most important thing. On that note, man. have a great week, everybody. That's it. You have been listening to Crosscheck Radio with your host, two-time Stanley Cup winner Kevin Stevens. Join Kevin and his team each Saturday and Sunday as we try to remove the mask of addiction. If you or a loved one is suffering with substance use disorder... Please call the Mass Substance Abuse Hotline at 1-800-327-5050. That's 1-800-327-5050. Or visit us at PowerForward25.com for more information. What up, gangsters? From Pod617.com, it's Shawshanked, the podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Buck. Nick Stevens. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. Matty Blake. Come on, do it. Kill me. It's Georgie Kip. This movie has everything. Kiss masks. Lee Trevino. Shawshank. Movies that you get. Shawshanked by. Shawshank. I guess I just miss my friend. Shawshank. Make sure to check for new episodes of Shawshank regularly at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod we trust. <laughs>